Odd Trails contains adult language and content. These stories can be frightening for some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. So last week I was browsing Reddit and I came across this person's post regarding hypnotherapy. I messaged them, told them my story, and it was a done deal. I'll start this off by saying this was nothing like what I expected a hypno-regression to be. And the things that I revisited, the things I remembered that happened to me, I found out were very traumatic to me as a kid. Even revisiting them now gave me a severe panic attack. But the hypno-regression therapist worked his magic, and while working through the hyperventilation, I was able to revisit my abduction as a kid and get the answers that I needed. However, I am still filled with more questions than answers. I won't share his hypno-regression methodology here, because he politely asked me not to, and I will respect his wishes. But he worked his magic, and I was soon back to where it all started. I saw myself, at six years old, being escorted down this very cold, dark, metallic hallway. I was able to look down, I saw that I was naked, and I saw my own legs, but they were the legs of a kid. They were my legs as a child. There were also large gray colored pipes that ran the length of the wall in this hallway, and toward the end of the hall, there were people walking back and forth down an adjacent hallway. As I approached them, I passed by a window to my right, and as I looked out, I could see the blackness of space and the earth below me to the left. When I got to this group of people, I started to notice they were quite human people. They looked very similar, but there was just something about their faces that I knew they weren't human. They were going about their business, holding some sort of pads, whether they were clipboards, tablets, or whatever. They looked up at me with a shocked, angry, and scared expression and said, hey, you're not supposed to be here. That's when I was escorted back by these two smaller people about my height. They took me into a large room where I saw two more of these smaller people and a large praying mantis-looking person. As I approached the room, the smaller people turned to look at me. I saw the mantis going about its business, arranging tools, screens, and other things. Kind of like how a doctor would set up before an operation just getting everything together. 
the smaller beings took me inside a room and did all kinds of tests on me. They handed me a small black box, and when I opened it, a bunch of images, screens, charts, numbers, videos, and all kinds of things were flying out of it, like a fountain of light. I had no idea what any of it meant, and these two small people were just staring at me the whole time. I can still see their faces in perfect detail. I swear, they looked just like little kids. Small, flat, circular head structure. Large, circular, golden, yellow, and brown eyes with a small circle of white around the eye. They had large brows, but no hair. Small jaws, small mouths, and they had small holes behind their jaw near the side of their head. Their skin was tinted a leathery gray, but it was sand or light brown colored, almost like a cashew. They were just watching me and studying me. This whole time, my hypno-regression therapist was guiding me through this experience, asking me questions about what I see, what I'm doing, and was also having me ask them questions, the typical who are you? What is your purpose? Etc. To my surprise, they were able to answer me. This started giving me more and more panic because this whole time I could feel my body shaking. I knew I was hyperventilating. I was scared out of my mind, but the therapist did a good job of bringing me back when things got too intense. Here are some of the notes he graciously transcribed for me. In a cold place with pipes on the wall. Floor is rough. It's not me. Just see my legs. No others in this room. There's a window, but I see black. It's just black. There are no doors, but a hallway. There are other people here moving back and forth with clipboards. They say I'm not supposed to be here. They're surprised and angry. More hallways, light on the walls, ceilings and floors. They look human, but they are not. They've been studying us a long time. The humanoids, they come from a pink tropical planet named Three Triangle. They study science, light technology. They are teachers, neither good nor bad. More questions. Do the beings see who you are? Yes. Do they accept you? Yes. Have them show you a place within this place that you do not know about. They're showing me a wall. It's fuzzy, gray, and blank. I see lights in different colors. The mantis being is standing there with many small beings. I communicated with the mantis. The little beings answered, We are servants. This is their job. They have no name. They're considered a tool. Somebody else is in charge, but who? It's unclear. I can't see. The humanoid beings gave me a box that's filled with memories, images. It's a puzzle. I'm really confused. It's a test. And they're looking at me. It was suggested to take the memories in the box and form new realities with them. This was done to mitigate any trauma and bring breathing to a normal rate. At this point, this place became a safe place, and we moved onto a place in nature. Throughout my experience, my breathing was very heavy. 
I was having a difficult time. My therapist was able to soothe me to a better place. The box was the most difficulty that I had. I left some things out of this experience that are a little personal. But if you have any questions, I'll do my best to answer them. And if anyone has had any similar experiences, please let me know. After 15 years of thinking, it was just a dream. This experience has shattered my reality. I don't know what to think anymore. I look up at the night sky now, wondering, where is this craft at? And if these beings are still watching me. usually love to talk about scary things unless they're my own experiences. It's mostly because when so much time passes, you start to doubt your own memory sometimes. But I figured this could be a good share on the podcast, so here it goes. I would appreciate it if you could keep this story anonymous, because it does include a lot of people I still have in my life. I live in the capital of India, and as one can imagine, it's a very busy city. My parents are both professors in the university, so we have been living in the university premises for our entire lives. When I was in middle school, we had to shift to a different colony because of maintenance issues at our previous house. The houses are allotted by the university. The previous residence of the house was an old married couple who were now retiring and moving. When we first visited the house, it was dark and dingy. Since the couple was old, they chose to use the only bedroom and would usually keep the lights off during the day to save on the bill. To say the least, the vibe in the house was not great, and everyone, including my mother, felt it, but we had no choice but to move in. A couple of months after we moved in, strange things started to happen. We would hear footsteps on the roof, even though there was no way someone could access the roof. There were sounds of doors opening and shutting. I was only 14 at the time and would usually be home alone for the majority of the day. And so I would notice most of the things. Slowly, things started to get more prominent. Late at night, when I would usually sit and study, I would feel the presence of someone else in the room with me. The sofa next to me would shrink in like someone was sitting there, right by me. I would never see anyone, but I would feel the presence. It was so strong. The noises got louder. Things continued like this for more than a year. But by my 16th birthday, I was used to believing that there was something else living there with us. My parents would usually tell me that I was being paranoid and had an active imagination, but my friends would also feel something similar when they would come by the house. One day when I was 16, I was standing by the dining table, getting water to drink, when a strange whisper started from the left corner of the room. It got louder, as if something was coming closer to me. I froze in my place as the whisper got so close that I heard a ring in my left ear. I couldn't make out what the whispers were, 
They just seemed like a chant of some sort. I started getting sick a lot. I would usually run a fever every night for months straight, which got my mom worried, and we all got medical tests done. I could barely focus on school, and even though I had always been a smart kid, my grades began to fail. My next-door neighbor, who was also a close friend, would usually come to the house, and we would hang out together every chance that we got. She often reminds me of some of the things that I've forgotten. She told me that one day we were watching a movie on TV and went to get some snacks in the kitchen. When we came back, the channel had been switched to a sports channel. I spoke out loud to whatever else was in the room with us that I wanted to watch the movie and they could come back later and watch sports. Eventually, the voices became prominent. The reason I call it The Mimic is because it would mimic the voices of my family members and friends, calling out my name from other rooms. My parents finally admitted that they could hear things happening too. So, we got a priest to cleanse the house. The priest said that there were three entities that lived there and would continue, but he created a barrier so that they couldn't reach us. I am now 26 and we still live in that house. Even though things have slowed down, we still hear occasionally knocking on the doors. One day recently, I was sitting with my parents having dinner and we heard three loud claps. As a child, I knew that I saw and heard things other people didn't. My door would move on its own when I would lay awake in bed, which led me to sleeping with my door closed, even at the age of 30. I would see this person peep its head in my door and smile at me. I would hear voices at night, see dark objects zoom through my peripheral, you name it. I still remember sharing various experiences with my mom and I think she just brushed them off. Not because she didn't believe me, but because she wasn't sure what to do. My mom's stepfather was a Church of God preacher, and she told me she witnessed exorcisms and other paranormal religious things. So I knew a part of her believed me, but I guess she felt stuck. Okay, so bear with me, but here we go. When I was about 13, my parents and I moved into a house in a neighborhood that was on the marsh, which is really common for the area I lived in. We lived in the front of the neighborhood and towards the back. There was a dock on the river that led to the Savannah River. It was a beautiful neighborhood and we lived in a really nice house. My parents, myself, and my dog. I still remember my first few nights in the house. Right outside my door, I kept hearing what sounded like someone dragging their feet on the carpet. It would keep me awake. It was so loud. I told my mom. Of course, she brushed it off. To clarify, the house was a two-story house, but the only rooms upstairs were an empty guest bedroom, my room, and my bathroom. My dog slept with me, so no one should have been outside my door. 
weird things like this started and kept going, but I could never fully explain things. I think my dad thought I either really wanted attention or was just crazy. About a year or two later is when the wild shit starts. It was summer and I used to play video games and hang out in our bonus room, a separate room upstairs above the garage. I would hang out in there until the early hours of the morning, then walk across the pitch black house, go up my stairs and into my room. Because of my earlier experiences, the dark and I weren't the best of friends. I typically kept my head down, walked as fast as I could and didn't look behind me. This was right before smartphones came out, so the little lights on the flip phones didn't serve much use. Anyways, one night, I was walking through the living room. The staircase to my room overlooked the living room. I had this really strong, eerie feeling that something was watching me, and I remember this deep urge to throw up. I walked faster, but for some reason, when I got to the base of the stairs... I looked up, and there he was, a small boy, maybe six or seven, with a black, blurry, washed-out face. He was wearing a thick button-down and blue khaki pants with suspenders, nothing you would see nowadays. I stood in fear as he looked back at me, not with his eyes because he didn't have any. The best way I can explain his face is that it looked like a black cloud. I, I really don't know. It still makes my heart race to think about the first time I saw him. I ran into my room and shut the door, then just watched TV until I fell asleep. I was scared shitless. From that point on, every time I looked at the staircase, there he was. He didn't talk. He didn't move. He just stood there like a lost, confused kid. I eventually told my mom. I think about a year went by before my mom started hearing about this boy from neighbors. Other people started seeing him too. But other people reported child-sized wet footprints through their house when their children were fast asleep or a different age. When other people described him exactly how I did, my mom asked me more about him. I described him as best as I could. He still scared me, but I didn't feel like he was evil or bad. As we were very uneducated about the correct ways to deal with the paranormal, my mom had her mother come and bless the house, and boy, did that not work. Almost like a horror movie, once my grandmother blessed the house, it was like all hell broke loose. No shit. Things would fly off the walls in the early hours of the morning. Lights would turn on and off by themselves. My friend didn't believe me until she stayed the night. We were upstairs asleep in my room. My parents were both at work when we were woken up by a super loud crash. We ran downstairs, half thinking a burglar was going to kill us, and a huge shelf from my mom's bathroom had flown off the wall. No, not fallen. It looked like it was picked up and slung off the wall, and the items on the shelf flew from where the shelf was. Shit like this happened. I'm sure more than just this, but this is all my memory allows for me to remember. After my mom realized that blessing the house didn't work, somehow, some way, 
she ended up coming into contact with a friend of a friend that worked and still works as a psychic medium. We will call her Rose. My mother contacted Rose without giving her any information as to why she was calling, and the first thing Rose said was she knew my mom's daughter, me, could see, hear, and speak to the dead. When my mom told me this, it made a lot of things make sense. Why I had such weird experiences, feelings, and heard things that others didn't. After my parents and Rose discussed a little of what I was experiencing, nothing in detail, Rose came to visit. I still remember the first time my eyes met Rose's. It felt like my heart was going to explode. There was just so much energy. I was so nervous I could barely even speak. Rose did not allow me to tell her anything that I was experiencing. Instead, she validated me by telling us what she knew I was seeing and that I was right. Through the few days that Rose was in town, some weird shit happened. I guess to validate herself, Rose took my mom and I aside. She told my mom things that no one else knew, including some information about one of my mom's close friends that was found dead. It was like Rose channeled my mom's friend. She started popping her gum and moving her hands the same way. My mom's reaction made me realize Rose knew what she was doing. She was the real deal. Then Rose spoke about my grandparents and somehow knew of the conversation I had with my grandfather on his deathbed, which I never told anyone about. Rose told me that I was clairvoyant and clairaudient with medium tendencies, meaning I could see, hear, and speak to the dead. I also found my ability to see things as they were, and for clarification, when I see or saw things, it wasn't like seeing it with the naked eye. It's like in my mind's eye. I can see a movie or see pictures projected out in front of me. That sounds crazy, but one, what about this doesn't? And two, I'm not sure how else to explain it. Anyways, after learning about my gift and doing some digging, we found out about the boy at the top of the stairs. His name was Bartholomew. Back when my old neighborhood was a rice plantation, his father was a crapper. Down on the river, his father had a docking area with a large hook where he hung the traps. One day, Bartholomew was playing in the boathouse where he wasn't supposed to be. The large hook hit him in the back of the head. He fell in the water and drowned. His body was supposedly never found, which makes sense why he looked so lost and his footprints were in water. After learning about my gift, Rose decided to spend the weekend with me and help me learn about my gift. My parents and I were invited to her workshop in Atlanta where you could learn how to channel your energy, learn about chakras, and learn about reading auras. All of this weird crazy shit I didn't believe in, until it happened to me. It was a cool weekend. I learned how to do readings, learned how to communicate with the dead safely, learned how to read auras, and do all this other stuff. Well, when I got home, I thought I knew all there was to know about all of this. So I dabbled a little bit, nothing too major happened. I never used a Ouija board again, but I did use a pendulum and notebooks to communicate. Now for my last story. 
I was 17 or 18 and had just started college. My cousin, we will call him James, is two months older than me and thought I was crazy for seeing dead people. Well, one night I got off work at around 8 p.m. and had multiple texts and voicemails from my cousin. He was crying and begging me to come over to his house immediately because of, and I quote, something was fucking with him. When I got to his house, James and his friend came out of the house hysterical. While we were talking in the driveway, we could see the lights inside the house turning on and off, but no one was inside. I told him not to tell me anything because I didn't want my interaction to be influenced by anything he told me. We went inside and, immediately, I saw her. She was about five years old, had long black hair, a cute dress, and a charm bracelet. I immediately started moving my wrist like she did, and my cousin about fell to the floor. He asked me why I did that, and I told him that she did it so we could hear her charm bracelet. It turned out this entity had been keeping him awake, waking him up, and playing with electronics in the middle of the night to get his attention. I had an immediate wave of fear and panic come over me. I rushed out of the house and down the driveway. As I was walking, someone grabbed the nape of my neck so hard it crippled me and made me gag. I thought it was my cousin until I turned around and he was feet behind me in the garage. After this encounter, I decided dabbling with the dead wasn't really a hobby that I wanted to entertain. I threw my pendulum and books away, swearing I would never communicate again. Almost 15 years later, I know everything I experienced was real. I still feel, see, and hear spirits from time to time. Thankfully, I have gotten really good at ignoring it all and brushing it off. I have considered educating myself some more and practicing my gift, but, you know, there's just so much unknown, a lot of risk, and not enough protection. It's weird, but even after all of this, I still struggle deeply with any form of religion. It's hard not to understand what you believe, but know that there's more, because you've seen it. In previous episodes, you guys talked about dreams being alternate dimensions and ways to communicate. Maybe all of this intertwines. I'm not sure. But what I do know is I have seen spirits, I have felt spirits, and I have communicated with spirits. These aren't my only interactions, but these are the more profound ones. I hope you enjoyed my story. I know it's far out there and hard to believe. Sometimes I even doubt my memory. For anyone out there practicing communication with the dead, be safe and don't forget to ask for protection. This happened to my family a few years back, but I believe it's a rather interesting, unexplained phenomenon. A little background before I get started. Me, my mom, and uncle all reside in Texas. Grandmother, uncle too, and my cousins reside in New Mexico, where my grandmother has a shop. Cousin number one is off at college in Colorado. 
Uncle number one decides to go and visit cousin number one at school, but on his way, stops in New Mexico to see the family for a few days. While visiting, a strange woman stops in the shop and asks for directions. She and Uncle One get to chatting, and I'm not sure of the specifics that lead to this conversation, but she proceeds to tell him about a dream that she had recently. She says that in her dream, she was driving through the mountains and suddenly came to a halt. She realizes that there was a mountain lion lying ahead in the middle of the road. She gets out to see if there's anything that she can do, but when she approaches the mountain lion, it takes life again and runs away into the mountains. This conversation comes to an end. The woman takes her directions and goes about her way. My uncle, number one, brushes the whole thing off as odd, but doesn't really give it much more thought. Days later, uncle number one convinces uncle number two to accompany him to Colorado to visit my cousin, number one. It's important to note here that uncle number two has emphysema. Where they were visiting was at a higher altitude, and Uncle Number 2 ended up getting severe altitude sickness. It became so bad that he ended up in the hospital in an induced coma. Me, my mom, aunt, grandma, and cousin Number 2 all traveled to Colorado to be there with him. Days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, and he's not getting better, let alone coming out of his coma. One day, we're all tired and stressed as things are looking grim. We are trying to decide where to eat when one of the cousins asks for Applebee's. No one else wants to eat there. We try to talk her into something local, not a chain. She is insistent. And since uncle number two is her father, the family takes pity and caves. Now this is where things get weird. As we are sitting at our table, that same odd woman from a whole other state from months before appears standing beside our table. She looks at uncle number one, dead in the eye, and says, It's time to go. In the blink of an eye, she's gone. Nowhere to be found. Moments later, the hospital calls and says that it's time to take uncle two off of life support. We abandon our meals, head to the hospital, and do just that. Uncle number one never sees the strange woman again. My husband and I have been together since I was 16. So, 12 years. I moved in with him, and the house that we lived in had many spirits. That's a different story, but we are never afraid of them, and we're very used to them. We moved into our rental home with our four children, nine, seven, six, and one, in December of 2018. I did my research and found nothing weird with this house. It's older, a six-bedroom, two-bath home. We have a back door, a side door, and a front door. We lived without incident through the winter 
and thought we were in the clear of dealing with any more spirits. We were very wrong. At the time, my husband worked late. Sometimes he would have involuntary overtime and wouldn't come home until early in the morning. Around 9 p.m., I put my one-year-old in her crib. After I turned off the light, I turned around to make sure her mobile projector was working. I took a 30-minute shower, and I heard my baby laughing, loudly, as she yelled, Hi! Up! I walk out, and through the bottom of her shut door, I can see her bedroom light is now on. When I went into her room, my daughter was out of her crib, which is literally impossible for her to do on her own. Fast forward a few weeks. My husband worked in law enforcement, so deadbolting all of the doors was very important. But every morning, that side door would be wide open. My husband didn't believe me at first, until his shift changed, and he himself started deadbolting all of the doors, and it still happened. We have very heavy dining room chairs, which are probably about 30 pounds each. One day I was fed up and I locked the knob and the deadbolt, and leaned one of those chairs against the door. Before we went to bed, my daughter was playing in the living area when she all of a sudden looked at that door with the chair against it and screamed. My mini dachshund jumped up to investigate. They started growling, but I could tell he was also terrified. I got up, looked around, and called it odd but went to bed. The next morning that chair was laid on its face and the door was wide open again. But after that, it seemed to stop, like maybe it got my point. Two years later, present time. My daughter is four now, and she is terrified of my bathroom. I asked why, and she said, because of the man in there. I take medicine that makes me sick periodically throughout the night. There have been many times that... I knew he was there, just watching me deal with my nausea. And even though it was unsettling, I just ignored it. That all went on for about a month, but now my daughter refuses to use that specific bathroom. I see him, though, often. He'll be in the mirror a lot, sometimes in the shower. Sometimes he touches me when I deal with my nausea. Almost like he's comforting me, though. I'm not afraid of him. My husband refuses to admit that he's seen him, too. But I know he has. I don't know how he got here. I don't know if he was the one picking my baby up out of her crib or opening the side door. But it doesn't make sense that this stuff never happens all at one time. Thankfully, I'm okay having this bathroom all to myself. a short story about a small farm in Portugal where my grandparents still live. It's a small, poor village in the northern region of Portugal with a population of less than 100 people. This story is told by my cousin who was visiting my grandparents one summer. 
He says he never tells this story because of just how surreal and eerie the whole experience was. When he told me the story and when I recall it, my eyes tear up. Not from sadness, but from shock and just simply being creeped out. Some background information. In the summers, the village sees immigrants who left for other countries like France, Spain, Switzerland, and in my case, America, return and visit their loved ones who stayed behind. The younger folk all know each other from many summers spent together in this village, and they tend to meet up at the few and unusual hangout spots. The small village cafe is the usual start of the night, and then after hours when most of the village goes to bed, they walk down to where the chapel is and hang out, tell jokes, play games, drink, look up at the stars, and whatever else there is to do in a quiet village. Well, one summer night, my cousin Danny, who was in his 20s, was hanging out with a group of friends by the chapel. It was getting to be late, past midnight, and he decided to head on home to get some sleep. Home is only a 10-minute walk, but on this walk, there are no streetlights as they turn off at midnight. The stars and moon can only do so much to light the way. So Danny's walking home like he normally would, past the chapel, past a farm or two, and past the village's cemetery. The cemetery is pretty small and enclosed by stone walls and metal gates. There is always an eerie feeling walking past it, because, come on, it's a cemetery. Those places don't exactly feel cozy. Well, at least Danny wasn't feeling so cozy. As he is walking by the cemetery, he can make out a thick bush about a meter tall, shaking violently, yet there is no wind, and what frightens him the most is the sound of children laughing. The sound was coming from the bush. It's past midnight in a village with no lighting. Everyone is asleep in their homes. No children are out and about playing at this time. Danny's friends are still back at the chapel. He says this was something he's never seen or felt before, and he was scared cold. He started running home, and as soon as he got back to the block where our grandparents lived, he encountered our neighbor's dog, who is friendly and knows Danny. The dog has his hairs up, as if in fight-or-flight mode, and is showing his teeth, and starts snarling at Danny. Danny to this day thinks the dog was not snarling and acting this way towards Danny, but towards whatever was following Danny from the cemetery. At this point of me writing this, my eyes are tearing up again, and my body is full of goosebumps. It never fails. Danny says he ran inside my grandparents' house and jumped right into bed. The next morning when Danny was walking past the cemetery, the bush was gone, and all that was left in its place was charred, burnt-up roots. He never spoke about this to anybody until years later. Wow, chapels, farms, village cemeteries. This guy lives in a gothic horror novel. No kidding, I was fully expecting a raven just to land on his shoulder and just say, Nevermore. Nevermore. I was thinking, Nevermore. This is an Edgar Allan Poe story. I really loved this one. It's so creepy. The burning bush makes me think of uh, like like it almost gives it that biblical uh, gothic feel 
Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of Moses in the burning bush. I had a really cool children's Bible growing up, and my favorite part was the burning bush for some reason. Yeah. It was just so cool. Like, that's cool. Burning bush talking. I'm down. Sign me up. But never happened for me. Little you. Like, hell yeah. Love this. Hell yeah. This shit's tight. (laughs) And was it called... Was it called the Beginner's Bible? I think so. And it had like little comics and stuff throughout and like explanations. Yeah. Yeah. I talked Mm -hmm. to my wife about this recently because I had like a blast from the past memory and had to look it up. I I think that if you Googled Beginner's Bible, you're going to see, you're going to have like this like nostalgic feeling because this is what you read as a kid. Beginner's Bible. I'm sure I still have it. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's it. That's huh? it. Looks like they have different editions, too. Yeah, yeah. I had the one that was all white and then just had, like, the characters on the front. Same, same. I got it at Kmart. Very nice. Yeah. But it was a fun Bible because it felt like I was just reading a comic book. It's very tricky. Yeah, I was about to say, there's a legitimately good comic called the Action Bible, and it just retells the Bible, but the artwork is so good. Like, that's probably the best way to read the Bible if you're not a very religious person. Uh, it's cool. It's engaging. Wow. It's a good book. Yeah. I'm looking at some screenshots of the pages. This looks awesome. Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) It's legitimately a really good comic. Well, I mean, regardless of your religious affiliation, some of those biblical stories are so cool and so weird. It's so weird. It's the weirdest book ever. Oh, yeah. Um, Actually, in that same vein, I don't know if you've seen this when you visited, but I have this huge black book from uh, Robert Crumb that's illustrated the entire book of Genesis. Whoa. So he he drew comics for the entire book of Genesis, the whole story. And it's really, really good. It's kind of in the same vein as that action Bible. It's just, you know, it's crumb. So it's mm-hmm. overly sexualized and really weird and creepy. But it's it's a cool book in, in any case. Um, there, it's funny because, like I said, even if you're not religious, there are so many interpretations of the Bible or uh, things inspired by Bible stories that are so cool. Like that movie Prince of Egypt. Do you remember that? No. Oh, yeah. It had like Jeff Goldblum in it. Um, I think it was Val Kilmer, if I remember correctly, who might have played Moses. I could have. I could, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Prince of Egypt. It was an animated movie. It was actually really okay. good by DreamWorks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, no, I got it now, I got it now. <laughs> the burning bush scene in that movie, again, even if you're not religious, is so moving. It's so well animated and written, and the sound, the score, and everything is so good. I recommend checking out The Prince of Egypt. It's a cool movie. And if you like graphic violence, all you horror fans out there, highly suggest Passion of the Christ. <laughs> so I also kind of wanted to touch on the story by that clairvoyant. Right. That was a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and a- as she said, um, well, actually, first, I want to ask you, if you could, if you could flip a switch, would you want to be able to tap into that realm to be able to communicate with spirits or at least sense them? That's one of the hardest questions to answer because while that is kind of like a superpower and it would be awesome to be able to do, the cost of that, of you know, never knowing when or if a spirit's going to be talking to you or working through you in some way, just being that close to the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. it seems like it would be so stressful. It would be... It, it would be. It would just ruin your life. It's kind of like being able to read people's minds. You don't want to know what people are thinking about you. That would just stress you out and depress you all day. Like, I don't want to know what a spirit is doing at all times. Could be doing some shady shit. Yeah, another very, very bad Mel Gibson movie, What Women Want. <laughs> <laughs> um... You say another. I, I thought Passion was decent. Really? I, I wasn't I, I wasn't a fan. I didn't 
give a shit about it. I don't know why. It wasn't amazing. Wasn't I wouldn't rewatch it by any means. But then again, my parents were so into it that made me dislike it. Because, right, you know, it was right. my rebellious stage. So what about you? Would you want to be able to communicate with spirits or have that relationship with the spiritual realm? I wouldn't actively try to. I feel like I would mess something up like following a recipe. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I would probably tap into the wrong thing or I would misconstrue something or disrespect somebody. And that's just too much pressure. Like the author said, there's just so much unknown, a lot of risk and not enough protection. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I, I think I would stay away. But if I was born with a gift, like, for example, my sister, she can sense when people are going to die. Like, there's been several family members where she's known, oh, that's the last time I'm going to see so-and-so. And she's been right. And it's she doesn't say it at the time, but then after it happens, she confides in me and... It's startling. So I don't know if I'd be able to handle that sort of pressure. I think I'm good where I am, just curious and see whatever happens, happens. Uh, those three bangs, I'm still kind of shaken up over that little PTSD. So I, I think I'm going to go with no. But if I was born with it, that'd be cool, I guess. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Exactly. Anyways, thanks everybody for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. This week you have heard my hypno-regression of my abduction by antisocial guru, the mimic by a listener that asked to remain anonymous, communicating with the dead by Spooky Machin, strange encounter during a time of grief by C. Carly Tripp, the man in the bathroom by Tess, and finally, haunting in Portugal by Jason. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of the respective authors. If you want to send a story in, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. And if you want to get access to our Patreon so you can get ad-free versions of all of the episodes at a higher bitrate for the best quality listening experience available, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails and sign up today. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Peace out.